defining their sales mission. What's a sales mission? They say, well, I've got a company mission and my company mission is to um, provide a software that will allow all of the employees to be recognized in a timely fashion and so on. That's great. That's that's your company mission. That's what you're in business to do. But a sales mission is defining how you're going to accomplish that. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. Welcome back, guys. Thank you for listening to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a special one for you guys today. I've got Scott Moss. He's the founder and CEO of M Sales Growth Advisors. He's been in the business for 30 years in sales and leadership, including four running his own business. He's an expert in sales ops, CRM optimization, sales team accountability, and especially in the tech and digital space where he is advising his clients on their growth strategies. Scott, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, man. Good to be here. Appreciate it. I, I have to ask, you know, you've got your, your hat forward today. And in all of my research and planning for this call, I was back, you know, hat back and 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 knocking it out that way. This is my professional look. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I just kidding. That, um, I love it. No, this is it. a oh, this is a a brand of my buddies, and I've been trying to rep it as much as possible. I and, love it. Um, yeah, yeah it's a great hat. I'm glad it's facing forward and. Hell yes. Call the damn leads. I mean, pick up the phone for God's sakes. <laughs> it's one of the hardest things to get people to do sometimes. It, and oftentimes it's the single solution, right? Yeah, it, it seriously is. You know, cold calling, you know, I could probably make a good argument either way on that. But lead follow up, picking up the phone and having a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't rely solely on emails or texts or LinkedIn messaging, you know, you've got to be willing to have that live conversation. I I did a blog post about it maybe two years ago and just went off on this rant about picking up the phone and, and starting a real conversation. And at some point you probably said, call the damn leads. (laughs) I probably did. (laughs) I I have a, I have a pretty low filter. Absolutely. I love it. Okay. Great start. So I, you know, I'm an, I'm an abundance mindset type guy, you know, and I love bringing other sales experts on the show because inevitably, you know, they're from different niches or just bring a whole nother perspective. to a lot of the things that we're preaching on the show and it is, it's affirmation too. It's like, even though you're in the tech space and I'm more home services, we find that we're doing the same things. They're just called by different names. Right. And I was curious you know, what, where did the inspiration come from for your operational approach to sales teams? I was perusing the website, listening to some of your previous podcasts, and, and you and I are very in sync that way. It's a very operational, yeah. tactical approach. Yeah, I, I think it came from probably one of the first startups I was with, uh, you know, earlier part of the um, 2000s. And, and the challenge was, how do we make how do we create some sort of sales process that we can repeat and that we can rely on and that we can plug new BDRs and SDRs into, you know, without having to reinvent the wheel over and over and over. And it's really about, you know, how you're operationalizing sales. So for, you know, maybe 15 or so years, it's been all about that process and, and bringing an operational mindset so you can have, you know, the quality control aspects. If you think about manufacturing, you know, well, you probably have very low tolerances on quality and they can get into the whole Six Sigma thing and black belt mm-hmm. and all of that. But it, it, it's a proven commodity, not, not, to, not to put that label on sales process, but it's proven and it works. So to, mm-hmm. to bring the, the concept of operationalizing sales just kind of made sense. It's not rocket science. It's do things over and over and over again that you find successful. And when you see a change in the market or underlying economic circumstances, 
you know, you have to be in a position also to, to adjust and, and to be agile with it. So it's just something that I believe in and has worked really well as whether I've been in charge of spinning up a new sales team or, or taking an existing sales team and kind of re-energizing it and, and putting in a, uh, a predictable and forecastable way to grow a business. Yeah, I love it. And it, it makes a ton of sense. When I, when I first started out, it was in door to door, you know, so completely different oh, model. Right. And I just didn't want to knock on doors anymore. So I was like, how do I duplicate what I'm doing out here in the field to yeah. new people coming in? And so it was just a means to an end. And right. at the end of my uh, 14 year tenure in that business, uh, I realized I had something here, you know, it was like, Hey, I could other people pretty easily because it is, it's when you break it all down, how you got there is not simple, but the system is simple, you know, and, and once you apply it to other businesses and they realize, oh, we've been hiring our sales teams based on the person, the individual and hoping that they're good. And if they're good at their job, our sales will do well. Well, that's not enough control for me. I'm a control freak. No, you and me both, man. I mean, how do you, how do you manage accountability? If you just hire them and let them go and don't, you know, introduce the the sales playbook with the step-by-step process and the KPIs that go into activity management, there's just no way that you can get to that, that end goal of, I don't know, 10 Xing sales in five years or whatever it is. 100%. Just to pivot a little bit here, Scott, what's the, yeah. what's the greatest closed or what's the greatest sale you've ever made? Um, the greatest sale I've ever made. Well, I was with a, um, I was with a startup about eight years ago, and it was a technology geared towards uh, the employee engagement, uh, rewards and recognition space. And okay. I, and, and while I said earlier that you know I can make a good argument for and against cold calling. I um, cold called a company uh, here in Ohio. I'm in Cleveland. They're headquartered in Columbus, multi-billion dollar company. It's called Worthington Industries. So I cold called them and got to the decision maker. I'm not sure if she was a a VP of of benefits or employee engagement or whatever it was. Um, Had a 15 minute call with her uh, scheduled. <clears throat> scheduled a presentation for the following week and um, at the coffee shop that afternoon when I was picking up my Starbucks before I got in the car to drive back from Columbus to Cleveland, which is about a two hour drive. She called me on myself and said, we're ready to go. So wow. it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one week. It was our largest client. They were uh, super amazing to work with and it was okay. Got the call, got the first meeting, got the close within like a one week span. And look, that's, that's so rare. And, (laughs) you know, I was, look, I was lucky. I was fortunate. I was in the right place at the right time, said the right thing to the right person with the right solution. Everything just lined up, man, that, that, and you know, that doesn't happen often, Mm -hmm. but you asked my greatest close. And so I had to answer. (laughs) Heck yeah. I love it. Probably one I'm really proud of. Yeah. yeah. And there's, I like, I like, I like the product too. You know, that's yeah. something that my clients and I have been diving into a lot, especially in like the direct sales space, you know, more commission based guys, um, keeping them on the same track in terms of company culture, communication, incentives, really gamif- gamification. Yep. And there's a few apps that are coming out that are doing a really good job of it, you know, and, and, and sales rabbits, one of them is a canvassing tool. The Q's right. app is another one that uh, can execute payroll as well for you. You know, when you have mm-hmm. remote sales teams, that's huge. And you're yeah. not dealing with uh, antiquated banking systems, you know? And right. so um, that's that's definitely a space I feel like it's going to take off really well. But that was, I guess, a while back. What what was that product like? Was it that more product, around benefits? So it, it was, it was around benefits. So what we, we had a, a technology platform that recognized and rewarded employees based on certain activities or there were discretionary parts where a manager can log in 
and recognize you. And instead of assigning points, which is like a typical program, it, assi mm -hmm. it assigned actual dollar value and the dollars could be then redeemed on the company store that we built for them. That nice. was fully customized, branded, and had products that were already at a discount. So instead of us going to like the Sony's of the world and, you know, buying their products at, you know, whatever wholesale price they would sell them to us, we went to another division of Sony and found that they're selling, you know, maybe um, some non-branded stuff that still has the Sony to it mm -hmm. or, or has, um, you know, maybe a previous model year and they would give us like super discounts. So not only were the employees getting dollars towards that, they could put dollars towards it and it was already below market value. Below oh, retail. that's awesome. Yeah. So they were probably like, well, how can I spend my regular money on this company store? <laughs> right. Right. Well, that was the good, that was the good news. I mean, they did have the ability of add, to add their dollars to gotcha. it, but they had to have something already in their account, so to speak, before they could add dollars. They couldn't just go in and buy without having the dollars or some, some sort of recognition already there. I love it. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. So, you know, in our industry, we've been through some things the last couple of years, right? And, um, been through COVID, been through a influx of money in the marketplace. Everybody's buying everything. And now it's on the downswing, right? The market's correcting itself a little bit. And so when it comes to recruiting, you know, I, I got to believe so many people recruited high level salespeople and, and changed companies, you know, especially through COVID, maybe some companies shut down the, the recruiting space in terms of salespeople has been wild the last couple of years, you yeah. know, yeah. and a, a lot of my groups and, and people around me are very focused on finding the, the, the people that align the people mm -hmm. that, you know, appreciate the same values and that mm -hmm. aren't, you know, obviously we're, we're all money motivated to a certain degree, you know, but beyond that, they're not monetarily motivated. You know, it's not going right. to, the 10% bump isn't going to attract them to another company. It's going to have to be the company itself. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so not anymore. It's not, I mean, years ago, yes, the, the 10% would make a difference, but you're, you're right. dead on, man. It's, it's, there's more to it than that. So with your clients right now, when it comes to, you know, I've got a, a five man sales team, a 10 man sales team. I know I need to double next year, just simple math. If I want double mm -hmm. the revenue, I'm gonna have to double my sales team or double my product price or my uh, volume of product sold per customer. Right. So let's just say I'm going the sales or the, the team route and I'm mm -hmm. going to increase the, the headcount of my team. Where are you going first? Are you going to monster.com? Are you going to their mission and their values, making sure that's dialed in? Where's yeah. your focus going? The first is, yeah, mission and values, understanding uh, what the company stands for, uh, defining their personality. Uh, so that that's the first thing you have to do. It's, you know, what is it that we can offer and what defines us before we start going to look for people, right? Yeah. So there, there's that first. Then it's, um, yeah, I mean, the usual suspects, right? You know, LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, Monster, whatever, whatever else is out there. Also, the, the team itself. So if you've got a team that yeah. is really well aligned to your company personality and your culture, and they work well, not just with each other, but, you know, especially in sales, you got to work well with marketing. You have to work well with delivery, right? So if that team is already comprised of individuals that, that kind of meet those requirements, you can ask them more than likely, they're going to have friends that are similar to them, or they're going to know somebody or may have been introduced to somebody recently. So you can't, you can't look beyond your team and you can't exclude again, the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're when you pull resumes in, you know, skills are second personality, values, uh, life experiences, that has to be first. You know, I've, I've always thought, <laughs> and this may, you know, push to the arrogant side, but I've always thought that I can teach somebody how to sell. You know, if, if you have, if you have uh, drive, if you've got guts, if you're tenacious, if you have integrity, and if you can carry on a semblance of a freaking conversation, to to effectively explain something, 
I can probably teach you how to sell something, right? But but it's got to be it's got to be the other stuff first. It's got to be personality, value alignment first. So that's what we screen out when we're spinning up a sales team or whether we're adding to an existing sales team. Starts with do they align with who we are and what we stand for? Then it's okay. Tell me about how you're going to help me grow my business. Tell me about your sales experience. Walk me through your approach. Um, that's that's how we do it. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, the alignment's got to be there, right? And I and I love what yeah. you said about like I can teach anyone to sell. I mean, I don't think that's arrogant. I think that's you're a master of your craft. You know, that's what you, you wouldn't be in the position you're in if you didn't believe that. Because otherwise, yeah, yeah. why would I need an advisor if I couldn't teach anyone how to sell? What are you advising right. me on? You know, why okay. do I need a sales yeah. program if I, you know, I'm only going to hire people that already know how to sell and are familiar with the product, right? The only thing I would add to right. that is, you know, I'm I'm at the point now just because of where I am in my career. I want a few people with me that have experience loss, you know, and experience so loss. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, like losses in business, losses in life. You know, you've you've been through some things, you know, and are transparent about through. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's going to be important to me, the people that I'm running with, you know, entry level sales, you know, yeah, you can be green and we can teach you how mm -hmm. to do it and we can develop you along the way. And that's going to be such a stickier, more impactful sales rep on the team or team member mm -hmm. than somebody that's coming in laterally. You know, they may have some bad habits or preconceived notions mm -hmm. or may not be aligned on the value. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that for sure. Are you? Yeah, and I'm going to add that failure thing to to what I look at too, or or loss, or mm -hmm. you know, significant challenge that they've had to overcome. I think that's, I think that's a brilliant insight. Thank you. And 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 what I like about it too is it requires them to be a little bit of, have a little vulnerability, you know, about yeah. their previous position or positions in the past where they're like, hey, you know, this is what I'm going to do for your company, and then this is why I'm convicted in that because I did right. this company this way and it didn't work out so we're going to do it this way you know yeah that kind of thing it, but it requires you to say you were wrong at some point in your life <laughs> you know what i mean well you know you said vulnerability and it's it's also about humility and and mm -hmm. it's also about you know being honest with yourself and and in turn being honest with the people you're talking to and, and not putting up you know airs or a front or yeah. or all that other shit that most of I most of most of the time I hear from salespeople how great they are. Well, <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm I'm sure you're great. Let me hear some of the other stuff. What defines you? Yeah, and then about three weeks in, then come all the excuses and everything and why they weren't right. They're not as great as they said they were. <laughs> right, I'm going through that now with a client. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So are you are you doing? You know, one of the things I like. I like to uh, talk to my clients about is investing in the personality testing on the front end, you know, uh, the uh, predictive index, this testing, like with wise hire, that's very easy to execute on. Uh, yeah. and, there, and there's some other groups and programs like that. Are, are you doing any of that with your clients? I'm actually not doing it. I will recommend that they should look right. at that. They should look at disc or Colby or, you know, there's a, a new organization out called agile brain that has a really cool, um personality kind of assessment where they're using more imagery than they are using you know q a like and it's and it's reacting to the imagery in a short amount of time but it's it's you know just to give them a little plug i they're and they're not a client but i, I really yeah. think they've got they've got a really neat product uh and and technology but yes i do recommend that that is part of the process for sure and and what about when so like You've got someone on the sales team like, oh, I've got this guy. He's he's built like me, values, personality, all that good stuff. Are are you recommending they incentivize that person for bringing them in, or is it just more like the managers want to bring in more salespeople and grow the team? So incentivize them to sign or or to recruit. Oh oh oh! Incentivizing the the sales leaders to to take on recruiting as part of no i'm not incentivizing them it's part of their job and oh. and you know their mandate is to grow sales and if they're not going to be able to do it with the existing team then it's incumbent on them to either 
replace members or add additional members of like-mindedness and mm -hmm. cultural fit and you know and, and then sales ability to to grow yeah i'm not incentivizing i'm not recommending incentivizing managers for recruiting a hundred percent and it and it makes sense like especially in your spaces you've got big salaries coming with those sales leadership positions you know yeah. i would imagine plus incentives yeah. performance bonuses all that good stuff so it's in their best interest in general it is i mean if they're doing their job they're making a ton of money you know bottom line do your job have fun doing it but do your job and and the rewards will come heck yeah so what are you finding with your clients that you're taking on right now what's that one thing that nobody's doing that you immediately point to and it's like hey we got to do this first um defining their sales mission okay and people what like, well, what, what's a sales mission they say well i've got a company mission and my company mission is to um, provide a software that will allow all of the employees to be recognized in a timely fashion and so on. That's great. That's, that's your company mission. That's what you're in business to do. But a sales mission is defining how you're going to accomplish that. It's your compass. So your sales mission has five components. It's got your target industry niche or niches, it's got your ICP, ideal client profile. It's got very clear and highly developed buyer persona descriptions. It's got, it's got um, achievable and aspirational sales goals too. And then it has KPIs that you can measure for uh, tracking to those sales goals, the activities, how many calls, how many emails, how many presentations, how many discovery sessions, you know, how are you going to fill a pipeline with all of that? And then how are you going to activate it? So you're going to hit those goals. So those five things is where I always start. And, and look, you know, when I, it, you go through discovery and evaluation, of course, but mm -hmm. the first step from discovery and evaluation is putting to documenting that sales mission and then everything flows from the sales mission. I love it. I'll, and the alignment is there too, because as you're going through this, I'm like, this sounds like one of my discovery calls. Like th Those are right. some of the first questions I asked them to understand what, That's you know, right. and, and, and I just didn't title it sales mission, you know, but in order for me to understand your business, I needed to know those five things, you know? That's right. and, so, and, and what I, what I do, Doug, I'm sorry to interrupt you, man, but no, you can put together a real simple assessment, you know, identify those areas in an assessment and it points out the gaps and and it's a starting point and and that's also something that i do with all my clients they have to take a sales mission assessment what do you think you know about your sales mission what do you think you know about your icp well you're wrong <laughs> you know this is not your icp yeah no i love that so in in the process you know well what do the engagements look like for you and then in that yeah. process you know, do you find yourself pivoting to where it's like, oh, maybe these systems or documents weren't as important as I thought it were initially, and then yeah. kind of replacing those with other ones that'll impact the bottom line of the business more? And then, and then, what are you looking at as a successful engagement? You know, because okay. if you're if, if you're like me, there's only so much you can do as a consultant. You can you can build right. the ship, but it's up to them to steer it and the crew to work it right. And it so. Is. It is. I was just kind of curious so, what that looks yeah. like for you. So pivoting, yeah, absolutely. So my process is very agile. You know, I when I walk a prospective client through it, it's it's in a line, so it appears linear, but yeah. but it's not, and that's something that I stress. And maybe I need to kind of redo how I show it, but it's it's a very agile process. And the reason is because we discover new things as we're going through the build, and it does require us to pivot. So for example, we're, we're really heavy on content evaluation. We look at every, every client, we look at their inventory of stuff, sales and marketing materials and PowerPoint decks and infographics and podcasts yeah. and all of that stuff. And we, we make sure that it has um, a direct thread to the various phases of the buyer's journey, right? Awareness, consideration, right. decision. And uh, we've got everything. We've got all the stuff 
and I'll start going through it and we'll recognize that, well, you really only have half of what you should have if you really want to make a difference when it comes to establishing credibility with a potential buyer, right? And that's where content really comes in. So the pivot will be that we have to slow the roll a little bit because we need to develop more content because we can't put together a sound sequence of events to work our leads and provide them with the content that is going to be appropriate for where they are in the decision-making process. So that's one thing we have pivoted on. Another is sales team alignment, which is a, a component also of, of my process. Uh, a lot of times sales team alignment has to start almost when we're starting discovery and evaluation. Because if I'm spinning up a new team or if we're evaluating an existing team, that has to be done kind of parallel path with some of the other stuff we're doing. Because to your point, execution of the plan, right? you asked about success. You know, I can I can show you the water. I can't force you to drink it. So the right. sales team has to be able to execute the sales mission, has to be able to um, carry out all of the tasks that uh, comprise the process. So um, success. Wow. Success looks like that after 10 or 12 months with a client, they don't need me anymore. So my engagements are about two to three months of the build. You know, mm -hmm. discovery, build, implementation, CRM optimization, and then uh, another nine months of execution and management oversight. That's where I bring accountability to KPIs and, and results analysis and also pivots based on what we've learned and, and how the process is operating. That could be a team pivot. It could be a process pivot. It could be a bunch of different things. But um, success is we've either gotten their existing sales team hitting on all cylinders and they're tracking towards their goals uh, or we've mm -hmm. got their sales leader in a position to take on what I've been doing because a lot of times existing sales leaders are the best salesperson that's been promoted so they might not have the chops for management and for accountability for their direct reports so I have to get them to that point so I can step aside and and the other is we just hire somebody to come in as a head of sales. So those are kind of the scenarios where I know that I've been successful and I cycle out. So one of my big differentiators is I don't just build and teach. I stay engaged to make sure that everything is being done as it's supposed to be and that we adjust. And that's something that I think that a lot of consultants will do. At least I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I live in a small little world. Right. Yeah. Um, so th that's, that's how I look at success. If I'm in beyond a year in the same capacity, then I've done something wrong. Now, I will be involved in a different capacity, just like uh, a once a month, you know, voice of reason check with the CEO right. or with the CRO, a completely yeah. different capacity, though. No, that makes a ton of sense. And it's yeah. honestly a, a lot of confirmation because you're four years in now, right? Yep. Uh, 30 years overall. And so I'm, you know, 15 years, uh, but only one year into consulting. And one mm -hmm. of the things I'm doing with my, my engagements in 24 is creating a look back period. Like you were talking about where we're monitoring, we're managing and we're pivoting if we need to, you know, mm -hmm. whereas before it was just a 90 day engagement, I built the program and then I was done. Maybe I would put them on a fractional CSO, like you're talking about, you know, or right. um, uh, where you're just coaching the leaders in the business. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I was in and out in 90 days. And then I would, I would go and check back on my, my clients like a month, two months, three months later. And, and, and one of them, one of them inspired this is not implementing the program at all. He's still doing what he did before. And I'm just like, oh no, this is not going right. to work. Right. <laughs> so, man. so. I adjusted my my engagements to include half of it is the build, like you said, and then the other half is monitoring and maximizing and managing uh, the build after the fact, and then pivoting certain aspects of yeah. it if we need to. And I think, yeah, yeah, that's just a huge confirmation that I'm I'm headed in the right direction, which is where you, you are. are right now. And, and you mentioned pivot. I mean, look, the a sales playbook is not something that is written once and then left to just kind of sit idle 
a sales playbook mm -hmm. has to be dynamic. You have to review yeah. it. You have to use it. You have to modify it. You have to pay attention to it. It's a living, you have to treat it as a living, breathing thing. It's part of your sales team. You just quoted me and didn't even know it. <laughs> no, I use that all Bro, the time. I've been quoting you this whole time, I guess. I, I, <laughs> that I is love that crazy. Phrase. It is a living <laughs> and breathing thing, and it is part of your sales team. Ryan, it, it back is. me up here. Like, this is weird right now. <laughs> Look, and I knew it was going to be a great episode. That's why I just had to send it to you. I just had so, to send it to you. Thanks, so, Ryan. this is great. Appreciate great the plug, man. Because I haven't been taking podcast matching guests. I've only been taking guests that I know, you know. And and Ryan, you know, and I told Ryan, I don't I don't want any more podcast matches. You know, I'm getting too many coaches and, and stuff like that. Right, right. And and uh he he pushes your email forward to me and he's like, Hey, you need to get this guy though. You know? And so Well, thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, Ryan yeah. did a great job. Awesome. I'm, having a, I'm having a great time. <laughs> You know, I, yeah. I did I did a podcast earlier today, and and I enjoy these things. I really yeah. do. I think they're 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 meaningful to the audience. You know, if if it's a good plug for my business, great. But otherwise, yeah. I think they're I think we can provide some meaningful content and some insights to people that yeah. are willing to learn from these types of things. So I I love doing this kind of shit. I I think it um it, for selfish reasons it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm giving oh, something. A hundred percent. Yeah, and it, it's funny. I've mentioned this in both episodes I've shot today, but a lot of it is an impact you don't even realize until you like take record a little bit. So, like today, I posted on my Facebook. I was like, "Hey, if I've ever or yesterday impacted you positively, drop me a like or a comment because my engagement was dying for whatever reason, and I was posting mm -hmm. like videos that weren't real." So I'm I'm a lot more on the Facebook and Instagram side, right? Okay. And um, I've just been breaking into LinkedIn. LinkedIn. But it just, that comment string blew up. And it was a lot of people that said, hey, I consume all your content. You know, uh, I love your stuff. I didn't even know who they were, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, nice. and normal because a lot of people will watch and they'll consume your content on LinkedIn or your website. Like you have a, a, a lot of great articles on your website that go in and download, but but don't have to leave a comment or their email or their name or anything. So they may have been right. impacted greatly by that, be executing like crazy on your stuff, you know, but you have no idea until you put yeah. it out there. Like, Hey, if you've been impacted positively. And so that was a, yeah. that was a, a, a huge moment yesterday when I saw all that, it was, it was really cool. And then, That's and then, cool. yeah, on top of that, like you talked about, you know, and I, I like what you said about the content piece. Because I'm seeing mm. that more and more, especially in our spaces, and then in spaces where it's a it's a consulting or a, a long term engagement with like a a marketing company or a financial services company or something like that, right? Where, you know, it's all right. We we decide we want to do a discovery call, but we make sure it's three to five days out, so that we can send the prospect that content on the way to yeah. the call and build the value on the way there. So we don't spend that the whole call done. trying to build that value. So right. is there kind of a, a cadence you see to that that's working really well or something for, because there, there, you know, we do, we have some coaches and consultants that listen to the show. And so I think they mm -hmm. can benefit greatly from it. Yeah, th there has to be. So, you know, for, for every client, for every business, my, my advice is to have, a, uh, a cadence or a sequence, whatever you want to call it, that follows an activity or that precedes an activity. So if you've had an introductory call with somebody and they've agreed to that discovery call in two or three weeks, you know, you can't just have that idle time where there's no touch, but you're, you're, you're not selling, you're just providing something of value that mm -hmm. continues to uh, establish a level of, of your credibility uh, in, in their eyes. So that by the time you actually do have that disco meeting, again, if it's a week or two weeks out, they're, they're getting to know you more. And I would, I would do it once a week. So if, if, the, if you have the intro meeting on a Monday and you have the disco meeting on a Friday, then on Wednesday, get them a piece of content. If mm -hmm. it's um, a week out, you know, make sure they're getting something, you know, four or five days, every four or five days, if, um, if you have an extended time 
between meetings because you have to consistently promote the value that you're bringing, not in a sales or pitchy way. It's got to be about, hey, this is interesting. I thought you should look at it. We have some similar thoughts and I'm looking forward to chatting with you in a week. Um, Check it out. Let me know what you think. You're not trying to sell. You're just trying to provide value. Um, So I, I like to do that before and after. So after the disco call, you know, the next step typically is to build out a proposal and and right. walk them through the proposal review, which always, by the way, has to be done face-to-face or video-to-video. There is no mm-hmm. such thing in my world as sending a quote. <laughs> there's no quote sends. There's no proposal sends. It's I'll walk you through this and I'll explain my thinking and I'll explain how this is going to solve your problems. And when we're done, I will email it to you or I will make it available online in a shared, mm-hmm. in a shared file somewhere. Um, but after those meetings, there also has to be a cadence. There also has to be additional content that's shared because they're always making a decision. They're always thinking about, am I going to go forward this with this person? And if you're not there with valuable insight, and they're going to look at somebody else. Yeah, But again, the messaging uh, on that insight is important too. It, you can't be pitchy. You can't sell all right. the time. That's not what it's about. They need to see the value that they're going to get just by being around you, you know, right. whether it's virtually or in person, like just by yep. being part of your network, part of your, your ecosphere. And they have to kind of yeah. feel that before and after. And once they do, they realize, oh, not only is... Doug or Scott going to bring me this expertise, but he's going to bring me his network. He's going to bring me his expertise in all other things business, right? Because you haven't been in business for 30 years and and don't pick up stuff outside of sales, you know? So there's, there's probably a deep expertise in a a few other things in there, you know, that you bring into these engagements. And and it's important to share that expertise because Mm -hmm. it makes you more strategic in the eyes of that client. So, you know, fast forward, you land the client, you're in execution and you fuck something up, mm-hmm. right? Or they're not happy with the results or things are going sideways. They're not going to fire you if they view you as strategic. They're not going to fire you if they see that they're getting more from you than just what they hired you to deliver, right? Exactly. If you're consistently providing that expertise across multiple uh, subject matters, then it um, embeds you even further with with that client. So it, it gives you a little bit of leniency. Uh, leniency is that the right word? Latitude, whatever I'm trying to say. It, it gives you it gives you more stickiness with that client, and they'll be they'll be more lenient instead of firing. Yeah, you right there you away. go. There you there go. You That's go. what I'm trying to say. My word was stickiness it took too. <laughs> it took a while. It took a while to get it out, but you know. We all go at our own pace. So, yeah, of course. So we're talking about kind of cadences, sequences, you know, follow-up yeah. campaigns, all that type of stuff. You know, I did see CRMs mentioned on your service offerings. So what what's your favorite CRM right now, you know, and mm-hmm. why? And what are you looking for when you're recommending a CRM to a client? Yeah. So my favorite is HubSpot. Why? Okay. Because... Um, I was one of the betas when they first rolled out their sales hub with, nice. with one of the companies I was with before, and I just fell in love with it. Um, so I always recommend, uh, HubSpot sales hub. Uh, they have a free version. They have a starter version, a professional enterprise. So when people say to me, CRMs are too expensive, I say, bullshit, they're not, you're just not <laughs> doing your homework. And when people say to me, I'm too small for a CRM. Again, I call bullshit. If, if, you're, if you don't have something in place to manage your lead pipeline and you don't have something in place to manage also your, uh, your deal pipeline, because those two things are different. Leads and deals are entirely different things. Um, then you're missing out on an opportunity. What I look for is flexibility. I look for ease of use. I look for um, as much automation as possible and ease of automation. Yeah. Right. So some CRMs, yeah, everything, we've got it all, you know, Salesforce, they've got it all, but it requires so much work to automate yeah. and to set up 
Salesforce. Now for enterprise, for the billion dollar companies that are going to, you know, willing to spend a million dollars on it to make it perfect for them. uh, Cool. But for small, medium sized businesses that I'm working with, uh, I typically lean towards HubSpot because it just provides that flexibility, that ease of use. We can get the automation done in a very easy manner. We can optimize it. We can set it up for our own specific needs and, and just run with it. Yeah, I have one client using HubSpot and pretty much everybody else is on go high level. I think it's it's a tad bit more user friendly, but I have okay. heard HubSpot a lot. So I know I want to dive into it. I've just gotten very versed in in go high level and we were talking about these additional things that you can do to provide value to your clients. Go high level has mm-hmm. been one of those things for me where I can go into their system and and, mm-hmm. and and change up their automations myself if I need to just because I've had that experience with uh, other partnerships that I'm a part of. And it, right. and it does, you know, in the discovery, I end up a lot of times I'll sell them a CRM before I sell them my engagement because they need that right. first. You know, yeah. your, your Google spreadsheet is not going to work anymore. You've got to upgrade, you know, and, right. and don't get me wrong. I've done some cool stuff with Google spreadsheets and zaps I bet. and automations, automations from there. But when your salesperson can do that, themselves then now you're getting somewhere now you're giving yeah, them that. absolutely so, you're, you're showing a ta- some autonomy yeah mm-hmm. one of the things you talked about was there's a difference between the lead pipeline and the deal pipeline and and to yeah. me what i heard was prospecting and fulfillment you know right and and what i find is especially in the construction space you know and i and i, and I know your niche is more tech right but there yep. is some you know sometimes there's i guess development or installation involved in the tech space and so sure. what what i find is it's okay for those two systems to be different as long as they talk to each other you know to where like in the construction space you've got construction contracts you know um order material orders you've got different people out in the field dealing in that so it, it may be like a uh what's a what's a popular one uh, i'm going blank right now uh, job Nimbus is is okay. is one in the construction space, and so like go high level may talk to Job Nimbus, and once it goes into that deal pipeline, then it pushes out to Job Nimbus, you know. But you've got right. two different people. You got the sales team using go high level, and then the production team or installation construction team using Job Nimbus. Job Nimbus. So as yeah. long as you don't have one person using two systems, then it's yeah. That, that's where I see a lot of the a lot of the execution happening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that the systems have to be able to talk. You know, you can't ever have two CRMs. You have to have a unified platform. And I've and I've seen mm-hmm. that before. I've seen companies that have, um, you know, sales teams covering different channels, maybe. And one channel might be on CRMX and another's on CRMY. Like, well, how are you reconciling yeah. all of your sales and your revenue forecasting and and your deal pipeline? You know, the ones that are in the process of making a decision. How do you reconcile all that for accurate financial reporting? And like, well, it's a challenge and we have mm-hmm. to put them in spreadsheets. I'm like, wait a minute. You went from spreadsheets to a <laughs> CRM to two CRMs to reconciling in spreadsheets. Yeah. And, and I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I have a client that's going well, through it right now. I think so many clients fix it for right now. And then mm-hmm. they end up fixing it for right now for three years. And then they end up with something right. like that, a Frankenstein of a system, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then yeah. that's when you come in and say, okay, it's going to hurt at first, but we're right. going to scrap this and we're going to use one right. system. Yeah. You know? That's right. And in most, you know, unfortunately, most uh, C suite teams or owners of these businesses don't want to go through that pain, even if it means in one quarter, we can, we can increase your execution by like 10%, or we can increase your sales yeah. by like 15%. Because and then think about just the efficiencies system. also. Think about the efficiencies yeah. that it's going to bring to your accounting team and your finance team and and those those folks that have to go through and, and build out all of the forecasts. You know, whether it's for product dev or whether it's for um, you know, future investment in the business, it's it's very complicated. And it doesn't need to be Yeah. And I think stamina matters too of your sales team. Like if they're having to input a client in one system and then another, and and they're oh, having yeah. to like keep their own notes and keep their own 
systems because yours yeah. isn't efficient enough. Then all of a sudden, what it takes to sign one customer, it, it should only take, or it, it should only take, uh, what it takes to sign two customers, it should only take to sign one, you know? That's right. And so, yeah, I think that 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 becomes important there as well. Okay, so, you know, obviously we talked about the tech space a lot. You know, that's obviously part of your ICP. What are the, what are the things mm -hmm. are part of that? I'm a using your terminology now. Yeah. Right, right, right. So um, <laughs> I just had a flash across my screen. So ask me your question again. What are the components of the ICP? No, of your ICP. That way, if we have anybody oh, listening that's in oh, those spaces. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, yeah, when, when, I, when I'm looking at clients, I look at companies in the tech space. Mm -hmm. And small to medium size, to me, means a really well-funded startup. Like they're, they're, okay. they're past seed, you know, maybe they're, they're at their first, you know, at their series A or they're, they're about to close on their series A and, and, and they've got enough seed that, that they can, but if they're still in like friends and family raise, then probably not yeah. good. So I, I look at them, but again, has to be a, a complex product, it has to be in technology. And I, I do have a really big client that does 200 million, but they're, they're not the norm, right? So right. I, I would say small to medium size goes up to like 50 million for me, 50, mm -hmm. 60 million. I look at sales team size, again, from the startup where they're moving from founder-led sales to sales-led sales, or a sales team that's anywhere between uh, 10 and 20 employees, uh, sales yeah. team members. I, I have some that are smaller. I've, I've got a couple teams of five but it's mm -hmm. that 10 to 20 range. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that. You know, the numbers aren't the same on my side, but the, the head count and the ability to have an impact is important to me. Yeah. I don't, I, well, they're receptive. I don't want any, so I don't look yeah. at just those numbers. I, I look at a right. psychographical profile. So I look at geographics, demographics, and psychographics. Mm -hmm. And okay. so to your point, it's willingness, it's open-mindedness, it's mm -hmm. um, follow through ability you know will they listen to me will they take my guidance or are they just gonna like your one client just take it and let it you know not implement sit. you know yeah. sit right or are they gonna fight me every step of the way mm -hmm. and yeah i'm still working with right, them i can tell that right away. i can tell that right away and i'll walk away from the deal it's just not yeah. worth it and sometimes i cringe that i do it and it hasn't happened often I probably yeah. do that, you know, I've done one a year for the four years that I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. It just didn't feel right. Yeah, and I think that saves you, though. I mean, because you're, yeah, I think so. instead of trying to strong arm them into using the system, you're spending that energy, mental capacity, and effort right. on a client that is maximizing the use of what you've built for them, you know? Absolutely. I agree, 100%. So what's coming up? What are you excited about in your business right now? Um, well, actually I'm really excited about Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm excited, <laughs> to, pump the brakes. I'm yeah. excited to pump the brakes for a couple of days and, and veg out and watch some football and, and eat myself to obliteration over the next four <laughs> or five days. Well, you look like you can afford but, it. You look like you're in shape. So you're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I try, you know, I, I get the workouts in. I'm not getting any younger. Um, what am I looking forward to? I, I'm looking forward to, um, uh, man, I, I, I think that I am in a position now where I want to start scaling my business. Uh, okay. The first four years really have been about um, creating credibility and, and a little bit of cachet, mm -hmm. right? Track record. And now I want to take that and, and, and build on that and and get myself to so i i manage only 10 clients at a time right now with the current setup of my business that's that's my capacity i'd like to double that i'd like to be able to manage 20 clients and i don't see myself getting past 30 because i think that just will get me too big and will disallow me from being involved i, I yeah. want to be involved with my clients but i can't at the level that I am right now, because I'm so deeply involved. So, um, but that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to taking that next step with M sales. I love it. hundred percent. And it, yeah, it is there, there's, there's fulfillment on the side by side, being able to solve problems with your client 
yeah. versus giving yeah. them something and them having to go do it themselves. Yeah. It's it's different, you know. So I think you're gonna you're gonna come across the decision where it's like, hey, maybe I have to start recruiting. Maybe I need to find somebody yeah. that's been in my space that has done similar yeah. things, and we're gonna team up and create this powerhouse yeah. kind of thing. You know? Yeah. Have you that's been? What's probably have you been take. Have you been doing any? You know, obviously you're investing heavily in podcasting. What about like uh, events, stages, speaking, writing, any of that stuff? Yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't gone down that road outside of you know. I do some LinkedIn live events probably once every month, um, mm-hmm. and I've had you know some good audiences for those, but nothing live. I did at least not planned. Right? There's no cadence right. for for my live events. I did one back in September. That was kind of cool. It was it was good to be out and about and in a room yes. full of people asking me questions. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to continue with the podcast. Um, can, I got to get my my blog going back again. I haven't given enough time to it. Uh, we're rebuilding the website, so that will launch at the beginning of the year. I'm looking forward to that. I have I have my own coach, my own advisor. He wants me to write a book. He says, if you write a book, then you're real. And I'm like, well, I, I can see that I am real, but he said, <laughs> the, the, cre- he said the, the credibility is, is, is amazing. And so, it, you know, and I suppose I have enough to, to write a book with big letters, right. And really thick mm-hmm. pages and make it look like there's a lot of stuff in there, but you know, so that I'm giving thought to those kind of things. I think once you start putting pen to paper, it's going to be a lot more than you think. Cause I've, yeah, I've started that process. Right. I started really? it a year ago and I've kind of like and? picked it up, put it back down, picked it up, put it back down. I'm three chapters in and I've already got a hundred pages and it's supposed to be really? nine chapters. Yeah. Wow. So I'm in and, trouble and already. Right? Really large font. You're not doing like 20, no. 20 point font. You're doing regular I, like point. <laughs> I do have some visuals of my, like when I'm getting heavy on a document, but, but the oh, deal cool. is like, They've got to be able to get through the book without falling asleep. So I'm telling stories right. along the way that led to these systems or these documents or these oh. philosophies, you know? Okay. And so that's the part of it that I get a lot of my wife's help because she's a writer. Mm. And so oh. she kind of teaches me okay. how to engage, re-engage the audience because I've just gone super tactical for a whole page and like, hey, right. you got to get back into it, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. I feel you, man. All right. Good. Wow. Good luck awesome. with that. Thank you. Well, uh, we're up on time now, so I'll wrap it up. But I want to thank you so much, Scott, for coming on the show. Uh, it, it was a blast, man. There's a lot of alignment there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a feeling that we're going to be working together in the future, sending, sending clients both ways and maybe even at some conferences and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward I, to it. I love it, man. Doug, thanks for having me on. Appreciate all your questions, your hospitality. It's been, it's been super fun, man. Amazing. All right, guys, as always like share uh comment all that good stuff i appreciate y'all and let's get building thank you for joining us on this episode of building great sales teams we sure do appreciate it as always be sure to like share and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts don't forget to join our facebook group building great sales teams so you can get daily tips on how to get your sales team built brick by brick. We'll see you there.